the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, it's a beautiful day this morning, but boy, it looks like it's going to rain. Uh, welcome to Ohio. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, start off with some things to think about. Base reality as it is, not as it was or as you wish it to be. That was Jack Welch, I believe. And then my favorite, Margaret Thatcher. Any woman who understands the problems of running a home will be nearer to understand the problems of running a country. <laughs> uh, that's a good one, too. The nation will find it very hard to look up to leaders who are keeping their ears to the ground. And that's Mr. Churchill. He who has never learned to obey cannot be a good commander. And that's Aristotle. Uh, boy, I, I've been reading that Greek philosophy. It's slow, but amazing stuff. We are born ignorant. One must work hard to remain stupid. That's, we had Ben Franklin two weeks in a row, folks. Anyway, um, you know, if you want any of the information that we talk about on this show, you know, I, I always send you to our webpage, which you can get through WHK's webpage. So if you go to WHK1420, down to local podcast, go down to the Smart Investor Show, uh, it has, you go right to my webpage. And my webpage has a lot of good stuff. Look at the Insights tab. There's a lot of good stuff. We're working on getting our bulletin board set up so that Rob Schleimer replaces Bob Dickey. Uh, I think Rob should be on board with it. You know, it's taken longer than I'd like, which is a little frustrating. But uh, Rob's going to put out a weekly piece, and it's uh, usually really good information. So as was Bob, you know, but he went on and retired on me. Uh, he was a good man. If you, I hope you went to one of his shows that we uh, we brought him to Cleveland four or five times. So, But uh, you can also get uh, Money Matters for Young Professionals. There's a great little guide, Women and Wealth, a planning workbook, uh, Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. You know, we got a lot of that stuff. Our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, um, our ADR list, our top ideas, our you know uh, multi-capitalization uh, type of stuff. So it's all good stuff, and uh, it's there for you if you'd like. Uh, it, you know, you have to basically hit the you know contact me, email me. It's all there. Okay. You know, the FBI's Internet Crime uh, Complaint Center has released its annual report, and the 2020 Internet Crime Report includes information of 791,790 complaints of suspected Internet crime. That's an increase, increase of more than 300,000 over 2019. On my webpage, there's a part about dealing with cybercrime, okay? Uh, it's something to read. Trade union membership has experienced a significant de decline in the U.S. over the past four decades. Back in 1983, the membership rate was 20%. There were 17.7 million union workers. It fell to just 10.8% in 2020, uh, with 14.3 uh, million members. 
Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. I was reading a book about uh, robots, and robot density in the general industry is still comparatively low. You know, everybody's talking about them taking jobs with only 139 units per 10,000 employees. Uh, in the U.S., yearly orders of robots for non-automotive uh, sector surpassed automotive robot orders for the first time. Uh, that's kind of interesting, too, I think. You know, So uh, some big things starting to happen in the robot area. So um, let, we'll start off with our, our good friend, uh, Lori Calcivina. Uh, you know, Lori is our head strategist. And I, I thought it was kind of interesting. She was uh, uh, talking this week about, um, you know, taxes. And, you know, everybody's concerned with, you know, the market just tanked after uh, Mr. Biden's uh, uh, capital gains uh, tax came out. And, uh, you know, what he's doing is he's talking about the people who are making over a million dollars. You know, it's kind of a bummer because, you know, if you've worked all your life to build this huge business and, and then you sell it and, you know, that means you're over that level, by the way, uh, you know, your capital gains tax is phenomenal. I mean, they could be in the 46, you're going to get 47% of that business that you worked so hard to put together and, and struggle with for all your life. You're going to give it to the government. What a good deal. Um, but the other thing that nobody's talking about is the corporate tax. Now, look, when we've had a capital gains increase, okay, what we found in the markets is that the, uh, the key is, is that, you know, I think it was 2013 and also 1987, the stock market didn't stop. However, we've never had a capital gains increase with a corporate tax increase in the same year. And that may be, that may put the kibosh on things. I don't know. But look, uh, what Lori did and her people is they talked to uh, a lot of people in, in the uh, Russell 3000 and the S&P 500, and they looked at all the earnings calls. And nobody was negative on the tax thing. They didn't even talk about it. They talked about how infrastructure will help their business, uh, which is a good way to be uh, apolitical, if you know what I mean. So, uh, so it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what we saw in the past um, was, you know, we had one tax increase or the other. Now we're having two. So, so look, here's the key stuff, the key issues in this. They set the corporate tax at 28%. They have an international minimum tax. So it increased the tax on the U.S. corporations to 21%, no matter where you're doing business. Okay, that's huge. That's a lot of money. And they make it harder for U.S. Corpor corporations to invert, meaning they, they can't move overseas. They And they deny them an expense deduction for offshore jobs, too. That's uh, amazing. And then they added a 15% minimum tax on income corporations, used to report profits to investors known as what they call book income. Uh, and then fossil fuel, they're hitting it. They're hitting them with that. Uh, you know, so, I mean, they're really doing, um, they're really going after it. And, and they're also using this to, uh, to update the IRS's computers, which could be very, very interesting. So look, um, a, a couple things, um, you know, what we've seen, is the, the COVID cases coming down and the vaccines going up, which is good. Now, the question is how many people who don't have the vaccine now are going to go out and get it? And what I'm worried about is the younger people, you know, um, and it, it, people 20 to 30, because, you know, they, they think they're immortal. Uh, but 
you know, look, the positive thing is vaccinations are ramping, ramping steadily. And uh, we're averaging over about 3 million a week. So if we keep that up, we could get it down to 20%, which would be big. Now, when I've talked to people, uh, my calls to my clients and my clients' concern tend to be macro discussions. Uh, they're worried about rising interest rates. And, uh, you know, they totally disappeared from client discussion uh, this week, which is interesting. But uh, there's a lot of angst among investors and nearly every client's concerned or confused about clarity. All right. So uh, that's kind of interesting. Now, look, uh, one of the things, you know, Byron Wien had three concerns. Byron Wien, if you don't know what he is, he, he's been he was Morgan Stanley's uh, head strategist back when Morgan Stanley was a white shoe outfit. and uh, you know, they, he's been around the block a few things. And he says there are three important issues facing investors right now. The first is the possibility of higher interest rates. And this would have an impact on market valuations. When interest rates go up, PE ratios come down. The second is the virus and the impediments that stand in the way of returning to normalcy. You know, Fauci's still talking about wearing face masks, uh, even after everybody's uh, got the, uh, you know, the, um, the, the, well, I guess you call it, you can't call it really a vaccine because it doesn't cure anything. And the third is our relationship with China, which represents both an investment opportunity and a geopolitical, military, and economic rival. Okay, so uh, you know, I mean, nobody's Fauci just finally came out and said, "Hey, this could have been from Wuhan." <laughs> I don't know. I can't believe anybody didn't think that in the first place. But uh, look, I am not as optimistic that Mr. Biden can pull off this double taxation thing, you know, the corporate tax plus the capital gains. When we've had capital gains tax, we've actually had rallies in the market. All right. In, in 2013, we had a 25% rally in the market from when they announced the capital gains increase from 15 to, I think it was, uh, it was basically 20% because of the, uh, uh, or 23% because of the Obamacare tax, uh, you know, Whatever you get a capital gain, you add 4% because the Obamacare tax. Everybody thinks it's free, right? <laughs> okay. Anyway, so we, we face this lockdown. We face higher interest rates. Uh, so that could become a problem. And, um, you know, I just think people got to, you know, start thinking uh, a little bit clearer on that those issues. So, you know, I guess the question is, um, you know, we've got an infrastructure bill, which will probably, you know, the, the problem there is guns first and butter. OK, in economics, there's a classic uh, uh, debate between government spending and consumer spending. All right. And to be honest with you, non-government spending is much more efficient than government spending. Government spending is 35 uh, percent of its waste, they said. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, first Trump had tax cuts and he had the Jobs Act, which works really well. And, and Biden is now doubling us up on uh you know, big time, uh, uh, you know, taxes. Okay. So it's not going to be just the million dollar guys. It's going to be the corporations, which will, I think that'll hurt uh, hiring. But look, a couple things, you know, it, I looked at and I, you know, banks remain inexpensive and they've been expensive for a while. The question is, are they just utilities now? Okay. Uh, the materials sector remains, uh, you know, very cheap. And we have this growth versus value thing. You know, growth is still on an uptrend versus value, but on a short-term basis, it's got beaten up pretty bad. So the question is, 
will growth stocks come back or will value stocks dominate over the course of uh, a time? And, you know, it, it's the longest period of time where growth has outperformed value. So it, will, it should, you know, you should see that going. The other thing I really like is dividend stocks. All right. And, and uh, that's something that, you know, we, I think we can all agree on that dividends will be uh, very interesting. But look, I was reading some Argus uh, research this week and, and I talked to a bunch of clients. I have a bunch of clients who are in the electrical business and in the, and in the building business. Uh, and th- they're seeing huge price increases. Copper's gone through the roof, as you know, we've discussed on the show many a times. Now, I think there's an, another metal that's just, that follows copper uh, that's getting ready to go up. And I've been buying, you know, I, I started talking about the stock uh, like Friday, and I think I'm going to uh, buy a bunch of it uh, coming up here. Pricing pressures are starting to pick up primarily at the producer level, and it should not be too long before mainstream measures of inflation start to tick up. Okay, the, the producers will hold down as long as they can, but then I think phew, it'll take off. And then the question is, what does Federal Reserve do then? Because we have too much debt in this country for them to let interest rates go hog wild. Uh, that that would just shut down. Uh, basically shut down the government for a while, I think, you know, I mean, if you get interest rates up to three, four percent, boy, our our deficit's going to go through the roof. So uh, but the PPI is starting to tick up. The CPI will follow. Uh, It'll take a while, but it'll follow. Um, Remember what I said before is, you know, interest rates follow gold by about 20 months. Remember, gold hit a new high 20 months ago. So, well, you know, gold's been basing for a while. We'll see if it turns back up. So uh, it'd be something to think about anyway. OK, uh, you know, I forgot to mention that this is a live show. So if you have any questions, you want to uh, call in here. The number is 216-774-8906. That's 216-901-0945. Did I say it right the first time? 216-901-0945. Now, uh, I <laughs> let me go back a little bit here. Uh, I had a question this week. Uh, two questions. One was about Bitcoin, and uh, I, no, I don't have an opinion on Bitcoin. I just charted, okay, and it broke its uptrend line. Okay, so I'll just say that. And the next thing I'll say is that there's some support at forty-two thousand five hundred. Okay, uh, now the of of the group. The one that held up the best was Ethereum. So I don't know what you're thinking about, but you know, I, I don't understand what the value is of Bitcoin. They just they say it has value, so it has value. I guess so. But I had also conversation with um, Evelyn this week, and Evelyn is <laughs> a very sharp lady, and she's talking about these environmental, social, and governance funds, and she's not, you know, she thinks it's it's giving the left uh, money. And I don't know, but the weekly cumulative flows into these ESG funds are huge. Uh, and it it's way above the weekly flows into other investments. All right. So, um, look, I, I use Marshfield uh, and I use some other managers, but they all do interviews. OK, so they're making sure management's on the up and up, <laughs> which I like, you know, uh, so. Uh, in my particular case, I'm looking at, uh, you know, when I look at things, I'm looking at growth, growth at a reasonable cost and also the charts. So, but believe me, the, the, the flow of funds into these things are, is just huge. And it's, 
you know, look, there's what there's a lot of ways to invest, you know. And I've been talking about the green stocks, and they they went crazy, and then I stopped talking about them because they were up too much. Now they've got killed. Biden ain't going away, you know. Well, at least I don't think he is anyway. Uh, for at least you know three three or four years probably, and even if he does go away, which you know a lot of people are wondering if he's going to make it to four years, uh, you know the people behind him are even more green than he is. So the fact that these green stocks got overvalued very, very quickly and got hammered, remember, you want to buy low, sell high. This is a time when you start to look at some of these things. All right. But some themes I think you want to look at in, in that environmental social governance area, obviously the governance area is very important, but look, I think, you know, everybody's talking about electric cars. Well, you, you need charging stations. And the other thing I think you have to look at is, the people who make the software for those charging stations and for electric vehicles. And then finally, you got to look for the million mile battery because for this to work, the batteries don't go away. You know, it takes two, 3000 years for those batteries to go away. A million mile battery would be the big thing. Anyway, stay tuned. We're going to be right back. This is smart investor show. And I'm Tim Hayes. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, it's Smart Investor Show. And uh, remember, it's live. So if you've got a question, 216-901-0945. It's 216-901-0945. So I was listening to Bob Schleimer this week, who has now become uh, an RBC employee, and he's our technical strategist for the North America. He used to be for the world. And then he went over to Funstrat, and then Bob Dickey retired, and he came back. But, he, he you know, he talked about a couple things. and. Um, he talked about, you know, we're at pretty overbought levels. And he uh, he also talked about, well, there's three subjects. The, the S&P, is it pulling back from overbought levels after an early 8% move after option expiration last week? And small caps, uh, are they, is that a topping pattern or is it just a consolidation? Uh, you know, the March lows were at about 2085. And then finally, uh, semiconductors often lead at turning points, so you got to keep an eye on the relative performance of the uh, S&P 500, I mean, of the semiconductor index. Now, one of the things I've been noticing is that the S&P 500, you know, when you have a trend, a good solid uptrend or downtrend for that matter, you can draw lines across the tops, and then you draw lines across the bottom, and that's what they call the channel, okay? And we're at the top of the channel. And we just started to turn down. So the, the daily momentum is peaking. doesn't mean that it's the end of the world or anything like that. It just means that the daily, uh, you know, momentum's peaking a little bit. And the other thing is, uh, you know, the small caps, there's a, there's a pause in the small cap optimism. Now, we still think that's the place to be. But remember, that had a much bigger run than the large caps. So you got to keep that in mind. But uh, we do have support around 2085 and then again at 1927 on the Russell 2000. Remember that Russell 2000 has a lot of small banks in it, regional banks, and therefore you have to be, uh, you know, careful because they've, they've been actually leading the way. Now, the other thing I don't like about the small cap performance is they have, 
They have retraced all of their 2021 outperformance versus the S&P 500 on a relative basis. So that's something you got to keep an eye on. So I think the, the key theme here is that semis let us up. And I think you got to keep an eye on that group. Uh, to be clear, the longer term trend for semiconductors remains positive, uh, similar to small caps. You know, they're both very positive. But there's a few technical divergences that have developed that, you know, you've got you to monitor and, and make sure that the world isn't ending or anything like that. I don't think in this case, I think what we're going to see is, is a bit of a corrective phase. And here's, uh, here's why I think, all right, um, I was looking at the NASDAQ uh, composite, okay, and, and uh, you know, I, 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 by the way, Marty Pring has a great article out uh, this week, and, you know, you, you look at the the Nasdaq composite, and it's it's right at, at or above the old high. Okay, uh, back the back in uh, we Mar- I think it was the last week of February, and the key is is that if you look at the Nasdaq versus the S and P five hundred, it it's making a lower high on a relative basis. So, you know, has, has it lost has it lost some of its uh, you know speculative fever, which is the the question. But if you look at the price momentum, you know the price momentum oscillator has making a series of lower lows and is, and is down quite a bit. So what I'm suggesting is the breath is not uh, participating in the move. So it's, it's uh, the large market capitalization stocks that are moving, not all the, the stocks underneath. Now, the breath is making is a, is a flat bottom with a series of lower tops, which sometimes, you know, whichever way it breaks is usually – the way we go. And if it breaks to the north, we can have a big, big move. Now, I listened to Tom Lee this week uh, from Fundstrat, and he seems to think we're getting ready to get up and go, okay? But I, I look at also the 30-day breadth ratio, and when it heads south, you know, it's usually a turning point, and it's usually a sell-off. Uh, but the problem with the breadth ratio right now is it could turn back up, and, and you know, we, we could be at the bottom of that that scenario so but the nasdaq high low index is got a series of lower highs too so this can all reverse very very quickly but you know you you got to pay attention to it uh the other thing is uh the mcquellen volume oscillator which you know i love uh tom mcquellen he's <laughs> he's a smart guy is is at a new low and uh you know that usually is the start of a sell-off not the beginning of a of a, a pickup okay so just some things that uh, we watch very carefully, and uh, you know, we we, uh, we we try to keep you guys up to date on that stuff. And you know, what was interesting, I thought this week was I looked at uh, Netflix versus AT and T. Okay, and people, uh, you know, Netflix had a pretty good quarter. A couple things wrong with it, and they really kind of beat the stock up. And AT and T had a decent quarter, and. <laughs> uh, you know, they talked about streaming and, you know, AT&T has a big dividend and it didn't go down at all. So it went up a little bit. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but I, I also saw a couple of huge, huge earnings quarters. Now, one's of a stock that's like 800 bucks. I can't buy it. And you know, I just have a hard time when they don't split. Yet the other is probably the hate, most hated bank in America. <laughs> And uh, they had a really good quarter. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Um, now, 
I, I, I must have had eight questions this week. Eight, eight people call in and ask me about Bitcoin. And I, I have no opinion on Bitcoin because I can't figure out how to value it. You know, somebody said it has value and suddenly it did. The chart just it just broke its uptrend. So just be careful for a while. Uh, you know, I, I don't know whether you should buy it or not. I'm not going to recommend it. Um, and and I think that. Uh, um, look, here's my opinion. You know, I, I'm giving you all the cautious stuff, but I look. I was looking at uh, a bunch of candlestick charts this morning, and um, you know, like I look at all sorts of charts. I you know look at different time frames and all sorts of different charts. And man, you know, the candlesticks. You know, the Russell 2000, the S&P 500, the QQQs. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, as, as high as we are on the bullish percent, we're at 70 now. They look like they could just lift off. Okay, so uh, you know, and it, it it could start next week sometime. You know, it, it, if you know, I read the charts right. Okay, <laughs> that's the hard part. You know, you got to be right all the time. Uh, so anyway, just a, a few things that we look at that. Uh, you know, we talk about, but I think, um, look, we have a short-term pullback, uh, taking hold, you know, we've had a couple short, you know, brief corrections that, that did some damage. Uh, you know, Salesforce was 289 and I went to 206 and I think it's back up to 234. Uh, we, you know, we had some small cap growth stocks, you know, stitch bitch, uh, was 113. It's 44 now. Okay. Uh, and there's, Two or three analysts who still love it. Had some of the semiconductors taken on that cuff, and then some of the semiconductors break out the new highs. And it all depends where you are, you know? Uh, so it's, I think the intermediate and long term cycles are still intact. So I'm, I'm not too worried about that. I, I just think you're going to have a short term pullback. Now, I said this last year in February, <laughs> in the beginning of February, I said, you know, look for a 10, 15% correction, build a little cash. And by the way, a lot of my clients didn't want to do that, you know, uh, their the fear of missing out. Okay. And, and obviously we had a little bit bigger correction than I was anticipating, but I, I, I think this one is going to be just a, a moderate one, but uh, I think the, you know, the growth first value is the most interesting thing because we're having an oversold price rebound in a lot of growth stocks. Um, and that might be peaking, who knows, but uh, I'm, I'm seeing some of these, some of the growth stocks, pick back up but i think we still got to worry about that key level coming up here uh you know so some couple things that we have to worry about but you know the one thing that uh, bob schleimer really likes to talk about is uh is the weekly quadrant balance in, uh, indicator and it's up there now so you know it could turn over in, at any time now on a weekly basis because you know we've come a long way and it's been kind of straight up so it's something to to think about um uh, you know, so uh, a pause or a, a little bit of a correction would probably be a good thing. But I still think, you know, stocks versus bonds, I'd still be in stocks. Um, the one thing I, I thought was interesting is that, you know, the VIX, which we've been talking about, which is the fear index, is the volatility index, has been creeping down ever so slightly. But for two years, it's been above 20. Now, it broke below 20. Now, it went right back above 20 and then ba backed off again. So, um you know, um, a move down to, to you know, when, when the market can go for a while is when the market, the VIX is between, you know, like 12 and 16. It stays there for a while. Um, and, and that's something to think about. I, I was looking at some of the like the, the NASDAQ and the Russell, and it does look like they're turning over. I would say one thing, bullish sentiment 
is very, very high right now. So be careful. You know, when the bulls are out, you, you should be fearful. You know, that's that's what we talk about with the bullish percent, which we're going to talk about in the next part of the show. So if you have a question, 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. So uh, you know, last week, I was looking at the, uh, the GLD, the, that's the Gold Trust, the Spider Gold Trust, which, you know, uh, tra- it tracks the price of gold. It's, it's actually physical gold that they hold. Uh, they, you know, so when you buy it, they buy more gold. And when they sell it, they sell more gold. So uh, it returned to a buy signal for the first time in over six months. Uh, for much of 2019 and 2020, precious metals like gold were one of the strongest areas of the market, and it, it ranked in the top 10 of all groups on asset class scores. So um, many people think of this as an inflation hedge. Uh, maybe they've been using some of the uh, cryptocurrencies to, to you know, do it. Uh, but gold has seemingly done the opposite since last August, diverging away from other commodity groups like crude oil and lumber and, and copper. While you know those cryptos went crazy, so uh, now it's only a fund score of one point three six. So you want to get it over three, but um, you know, and it's below its up. I mean, its downtrend line, which is about one seventy four, but it did break a double top this week. So and it's got lots of support. Uh, so that's a you know very positive development. In Tim Hayes's opinion for you gold bugs. Um, I you know five percent gold in a portfolio still works a lot. You know, if you buy at the right time. Uh, so, you know, we talk about uh, risk management on this show. So what we're trying to do, all right, and what I do for my clients is I look at the fundamentals. I read all our research, which can be strenuous because we have research from all over the world, okay? You know, Australia, Japan, you know, a little bit of China, a little bit of Russia, uh, Europe, uh, Canada, you know, you, you name it. and um, then I look at the charts every day, and I, I showed a couple clients this week, uh, uh, you know, how, how much that I do it every day. And they were kind of, I think they took taken back a little bit, but uh, I do do it every day, all right, uh, including today. And and then I look at the point and figure charts, and I look at the groups to see if I'm in the right group, okay? So we do the fundamentals and the technicals. So hopefully, we'll make more money. And then we look at the overall market and say, hey. Am I in good shape or bad shape? You know, is the market in a period of distribution or is a period of accumulation? And we use the bullish percent, which uh, is just the point and figure chart. And what it does is it judges how many stocks are on point and figure buy signals. When you get over 70, things are too good, usually. And uh, when you go from over 70 to under 70, usually you can have a, quite a bit of sell-off. Now, we've had a unique situation this year. And we went to 80, then we went to 60, then we went to 78, then we went to 60. Then we went to 77, then we went to 60, then we went to 76, then we went to 60, and then we went to 72. Now, what do you notice about that? We've got a series of lower highs, so that's not good. But anyway, this week, we fell down 3%, so we went from above 70 to below 70 in the last two weeks. 
we would go into a column of O's 64. So what's a column of O's and what's a column of X's? Column of X's says the offensive team is on the field. We're, built, we're building up. When we get to a column of O's, that's distribution. Now, one thing you have to know, there's some other technical strategies here in that what we do is a relative strength. We look at relative strength. And right now, domestic equities have the highest relative strength, even over international, over bonds, over commodities, over currencies and everything. Now, back in 2008, when we said on this show that we thought the money market would outperform the stock market, domestic equities were low on the relative strength list. They were the bottom of the barrel. Okay, so right now, we domestic equities are the strongest, but it is a period of time when we go into column of O's. You want to step back a little bit. Okay, doesn't mean you have to sell your whole portfolio out. It just means you have to be more pick or pickier about what you buy when you buy it. Okay, so. We're at 67. We'd go into a column of O's at 64. That would be distribution. Just so you know, distribution happens a lot faster than accumulation. So what we'd be looking for if we did do that is go to 30. 30 is the promise land, okay? That's the green zone. That's when everybody's crying in their beer. They hate the market. You know it. That's when you should be greedy, okay? Now, the over-the-counter index uh, was is in a column of X. This is the small caps, all right? But it's it's only a percentage point away from turning down. And the world index is just 3% from turning down. And uh, they're at 53. So 51, 53 is a good place to buy things if, you, if you're sure that they're going to stay in a column of X's, okay? Uh, it's, it's not a bad place to be looking for stuff. So uh, we didn't see any major changes, okay? A lot of the stuff's in the midfield, so that's positive. And if, and if uh, you know, Tom Lee's right, he's expecting a major you know, uh, a move in the market. And, and the if I look at the candlestick charts, you know, they're kind of telling me the same thing. Maybe, you know, we're getting ready. I don't know. Uh, uh, but I, you know, as you just got to know, we're very close to turning down. So you got to watch it, you know, watch it kind of closely, I think. So um, look, the thing that bugs me the most is the small cap index uh, is down, was down about 2% over the week, you know, and in, uh, in the first week or two of April and the pure value index was up point, uh, you know, 0.1%. Technology has seen a nice balance in April, up over 6%. Well, we had some weaker sectors like real estate utilities. They're up about 6%. So, you know, people have been buying dividends, okay? Uh, now, if I looked at dynamic asset level investing, all we're doing here is we're rating the groups by relative strength. Relative strength is important. You want to be in the leadership group. The top group right now is consumer cyclicals, then energy, then financials, then industrials, then tech technology. Technology is number five. So it's gone from number one to number five in three months. And then we have basic materials. Uh, and then we have uh, consumer, uh, no, I'm sorry, healthcare, then real estate, then consumer non-cyclicals, and then finally utilities. So uh, that, you know, consumer cyclicals is the place to be. Energy is number two. All right. So um, financials, I believe, may have taken over energy on Friday. So they it might be consumer cyclicals, financials, and energy. But we and we talked about uh the banks for a long time. Now in domestic equity, small cap growth still has the leadership even with the correction it's been. That's why I'm I'm positive on them, but I'm I'm wondering why, you know, they're lagging so much. And small cap value is number two. So uh large cap value is way down the list a little bit and large cap growth lost the most amount of votes last week, <laughs> last month, I should say. So it'll be interesting to see what happens coming up here. All right. Now, 
the Dow has been positive for eight weeks as far as weekly momentum is concerned. And the EEM, which is the Emerging Markets Trust, uh, has been negative for 10 weeks. Those are a long time in the stock market. Okay? So the Dow's been positive. The emerging market's been negative during that period of time. Now, also, the small cap index has been negative for six weeks. So there you go. Uh, and we have some of the larger names like the QQQs and the Spiders. Uh, th these are all uh, and the XLGs. They've all been positive for four weeks. So, you know, I just wonder if, if we're going to get a turn. What I think is interesting about the EEM is the price is held up, but the momentum's died. You know, there's two types of corrections. There's a time correction. There's a price correction. Maybe what we have here is a, a time correction. Now, the, you know, if I look at the IJR, which is the small cap index, it's up 16% this year, while the EEM lags it, you know, I think has a gain of 3.4. So uh, it'll be interesting uh, to see if the small cap index, you know, surges ahead. By the way, a lot of the move in the small cap index you would think would be, you know, biotechnology or technology, whatever. It's mostly small cap in the chemical field and the banking field. <laughs> How about that, huh? I haven't talked about those in a long time. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do think it's kind of a, an interesting time. So, uh, you know, um, I was looking at uh, a, a lot of different charts. Uh, and one of the things that was, was really interesting was, the number of favored sectors has moved down to just seven, all right? And most of those are overbought. And now we have drugs and, and biotech are below 30, okay? Now, they're not favored, so you got to wait for them to reverse back up to be positive. But we have banking, savings and loan, and building all at 84. That's, a, that's in the far into the red zone, folks. So you want to leave those alone. That's the groups you want to buy on pullbacks. Insurance is at 76. That's another group to buy on pullbacks. Forest and paper products. Believe me, I have a a uh, forest company. Uh, you know, makes is a wood distributor. They're up 80 percent in five months. Their PE ratio is doubled. Might be time for them to take a break. And then we have steel at 60, which is you know you can look at some steel companies. I think you know uh, there's one steel company. I think I'm running buy options on next week. And then textiles are at 54, and uh, so the, those are the only favorite sectors. So you can see uh, we have gone from, you may recall, back in January, we had 26 favorite sectors. We now have seven. So uh, you might want to think about that. And uh, But, we, you know, like I said, we have biotechnology and drugs are both below 30, uh, which is interesting. Um, you know, and, and I think uh, healthcare in general, uh, are below 30 uh, on, on their bullish percents too. So um, it'll be interesting going forward to see if those uh, reverse up because institutions bought a lot of their stock in the first two weeks of March and they haven't sold it. So I, I, this is what I saw. Leisure, which had been a big favorite sector, got beat up. Software, went, you know, which had been unfavored, went to uh, average. Aerospace, semiconductors, restaurants, chemicals, and gas utilities all move just to average. Remember, we're watching semiconductors because they're a key group right now. Precious metals went, you know, moved up on the unfavored chart from zero attributes to one. Oil, medical, our, our media, food, and business all went from favored to unfavored this week. So uh, that's that's very interesting. Now, 
Somebody asked me, uh, you know, Tim, internationally, where would you be? Well, I don't answer that question. What I do is I look at dynamic asset level investing from our friends at Dorsey Wright, who provide us with the bullish percent every week, by the way. And um, they're a great group. <laughs> and so I just look at dynamic asset level investing. Where's the relative strength? And Europe developed has the most. That's why I keep mentioning our ADR list, because there's some real interesting. There's one big drug company where a major uh, uh, major investor is taking a, a big, big position in and has a, like a 4% dividend, you know, uh, but Europe developing, and then Asia Pacific developing, then Latin America, then Asia Pacific emerging, then Europe emerging and Africa Mideast. Remember, Asia Pacific emerging has been negative for 10 weeks now. So that, you know, that that's one to be watching anyway. But I think, I think the strength of the European market has been uh, kind of interesting because uh, that's something that we need to to pay attention to the 10 year treasury yield broke down this week. That's another major development. And then um, the other thing I want to mention was we have a couple uh, um, stocks that um, I think, you know, you want to talk about as far as relative strength, you know, and relative strength is important, but the buys this week are back backstrom ADR uh, Grupo television Dell. And then we had uh, cell signals. We had a bunch of American semiconductor, AXT clear riot, uh, blockchain, uh, Avanex, IntelliCheck, China Finance, etc. Uh, Keytronic, some big names. <laughs> They're all little names. Anyway, we'll be right back. This is Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. Who? Uh, I don't know if you know, they did Tommy at Blossom with Roger Daltrey. It had uh, Peter Townsend's brother on guitar, which is interesting, but they did that a couple years ago. It was fantastic. Love Blossom. Uh, can't wait to get back to it this summer. Anyway, we always talk about uh, insiders. And, um, you know, so what we've done is we've moved from Lori Calcivina's head strategies. We're talking about taxation. We're talking about the the overall market, what Byron Weems saying, you know, over the the economy, and and then we've moved it down to some technical ideas. Okay, you know, here's what we're looking at. Here's the groups we're looking at, and then we had some relative strength, which we didn't have very many this week, uh, and then we moved to insiders. So, and look, I I have a formula, and it goes fundamentals, technicals, insiders. If it hits all three, I pay attention. I pay very close attention, and uh, so you know, we want to look at now. I'm going to say this so you guys understand, okay? Bob Schleimer's getting a little cautious. Uh, Bob Dickey was before he left, and Bob was always early, but he was always right. <laughs> and uh, this is the smallest amount of insider buying I've seen uh, since January and February of last year, okay? Now, we had a much bigger decline last year, but, I, you know, I'm just saying that I'm, I'm not seeing a lot of uh, – People jumping up and down to buy things. Now, I did see uh, Stitch Bitch, which you know got uh, absolutely creamed. Uh, that was one of Mark Mahaney's great ones that went to, like recommended at twenty four, and went to one hundred thirteen. And I think he backed off. He, he's not with us anymore, but he still likes it. I'm pretty sure. Um, but Baseline Ventures uh, bought eight hundred twenty six thousand four hundred fifty one shares around the forty seven dollar mark. 
Uh, I can't even, I don't think my calculator goes up that high. So uh, Stitch Fitch is the name that you take a look at. Also, uh, I noticed that Greenbrier, uh, the, the chairman and CEO, and this guy's got a great track record. He bought 50,000 shares at about 44, uh, which is about $2.1 million. And he owns a ton of the stock too, which is really kind of neat. And then uh, Akiva Katz, who's a, a a part of the Mac Cali Realty Group director uh, board of directors, but uh, he bought twice. He bought on the fifteenth. He bought one point seven six million dollars, and then on the sixteenth he, he did it again. He bought one hundred twenty thousand shares, a little cheaper this time, at one hundred eighty, uh, and the stock at a new high, or very close to a new high. That's kind of interesting, you know. I love when I, I love seeing executives buy at new highs and after stock gets pummeled and after stock hits a new high, because uh, those are good signs. They have confidence in the stock when it's down and they, and they think it's going higher when it's up. All right. And then also new residential investment corp, another REIT, another real estate. Remember we said real estate's been improving. We had Mike uh, Nirenberg, who's the president, CEO, chairman, et cetera, buy a hundred thousand shares and he, he owns a boatload of its $10 stock. And then uh narrow pace, which is a new, uh, a new issue last week. Uh, that's an interesting one. Um, the uh, director, Frank Fisher, bought 50,000 shares at 850 at the, the uh, new issue price, by the way. And then um, Bed Bath & Beyond, which is, you know was a home run there in February, and it just got creamed. Uh, Ron Spencer, who's the director, bought, uh, you know, just, I don't know how many shares he bought, but he, he uh, it was like $500,000. Uh, I mean, it was you know, $500,000. And then by the way, the reason I bring this up is because right before the run-up, uh, he and another guy had bought about the same amount. So, but we don't have a whole lot of you know huge buyers. Now, I did see Arvin Glazer. He bought quite a few shares of HC2 Holdings again. Uh, remember, they were buyers just three weeks ago. Uh, so he bought three hundred twenty thousand dollars on the twentieth. Then he bought another three uh, two hundred thirty-three thousand on the twenty-first. Then another on the 22nd, he bought $200,000. Now, he had bought several million dollars worth just uh, uh, three weeks ago. And the stock popped already, you know, so it went up to $4. Uh, so, uh, you know, they're, they're continuing to buy is what I think is important. Uh, so there you go. Uh, the only other thing I'd say is, eh, I'm not going to go there. Um, so. I, I think, you know, what we're looking at here is uh, a scenario where we have to start to think about uh, playing a little bit of defense because, you know, we've gone from above 70 to down uh, below 70 five or six times now in, in a quarter, which I haven't seen before in my career, by the way. Uh, so you always learn something in this business. And, uh, you know, I, I expect a pause, you know, whether it's going to be a big pause or a little pause, I don't know. I I think if they try a capital gains tax and a corporate increase at the same time, the market's not going to like that. If they did a capital gains tax, you know, for the people over a million dollars, I I think they'd hurt a lot of hardworking people, you know, but, uh, you know, I I don't think Mr. Biden ever paid attention to the stock market like Mr. Trump did. Uh, Even Clinton paid attention to the the stock market, but, uh, you know, I think this, the, you know, if, if I look at the small caps, I, I would suggest that some of the, the pullbacks will be shallow. And, and what, we, what we might have is a time correction going on here for a while. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. But, uh, 
uh, you know, that's what I'm looking at. But when we have the bullish percent going from above 70 to below 70, you got to pay attention, especially if we were to break 64 next week, that'd be a problem. And the NASDAQ, you know, we, we broke out to a new high, but, the, you know, if you look at the relative performance, um, you know, it, it's at an important level. It's got, you know, it's it's beginning to stall and it's and it's declining below its 50, 100, 200 day moving averages. That's this is the type of stuff that makes you crazy. <laughs> Can't sleep at night. And then, as I mentioned, the American Association of Individual Investors, the bullish sentiment is is at a high for the last, uh, you know, several years. Uh, when when the individual investor is bullish, that's a contrary indicator when they're bearish. That's when uh, institutions get bullish. Now, the other thing is the Citigroup uh, economic surprise. You know, we talked about that back in 2020, back at, in March, how it was down the lowest. I've never seen it. Now is way above even the, the most gaudy expectations that we had years ago. So those are the type of things that, you know, you want to see reverse a little bit. And then, you know, people keep asking me, Tim, do we go growth or value? Well, growth got so high above its uptrend line versus value that it could still get killed and still be in an uptrend. So that that's the big problem. Uh, you know, I think people were just, just you know, grabbing growth at any uh, thing, you know. And, and people talk to me about FANG. And I, look, I own a couple of the FANG stocks. I, you know, I, I didn't own them for a while. I bought a lot of them back last spring. Uh, just bought, a, you know, uh, one or two more of them uh, recently. And, you know, everybody says, well, thank this, thing, this, thing, this. Remember, we had the Nifty 50, too. Okay? They got killed. <laughs> that Nifty 50, that was all anybody ever wanted, and they got killed. So use your head, okay? Uh, buy things when they come back to you, I think, is, is the important thing to talk about at this point. So, uh, Or if there's a nice breakout, you know, if they've broken out and they've pulled back. I've got a couple of stocks in that, that field, too. Um, you know, small cap growth was was leading the way, and now it's it's not barely participating. So, uh, they may be going, you know, more to, um, you know, the small cap value. All right. Now, one thing we did notice, and this is a big breakout, was the high beta stocks, and and that's by the way the cyclicals. Okay, they broke out of a big base. Now, I think they'll pull back, but I, you know, I I expect a pullback anyway. Uh, so I just think you got to be paying closer attention to that stuff. Uh, on the pullback, it might be a really good idea to buy. Now, look, uh, everybody's talking about rates and are they going higher. Well, the rates did move back, but they haven't broken down. Okay. Now the ten-year Treasury is no longer on a buy. I mean, the thirty-year Treasury is no longer on a buy signal, but the ten-year held up. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if this tax situation. Uh, you know, the bond market is smarter than the stock market, six times larger. OK, so the question is, will the people in the bond market, you know, they're going to sharpen their pencils over the next couple of weeks and say, will this affect me or will it won't? So who knows? Anyway, uh, look, uh, we've got some great stuff coming on here. So we've got WHK 1420. Go to their Web page, go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes, and uh, you can get a lot. We have a lot of stuff available. The dividend growth portfolio, I think the dividend stocks have been underperforming. I think the dividends are here to stay for a while. Our top ideas, whether they're small cap, multi, you know, we have our multi-cap portfolio, our prime income list for you guys who are retired. Remember, 
dividends are staying at 18%. They're usually they're 15, but you pay Obamacare tax. Remember, Obamacare got that in. But we also have, you know, the Woman and Wealth, a planning workbook for you ladies. And then also uh, Money Matters for Young Professionals, a business owner's guide to transition planning. And, and we also have the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. So that's all available to you if you go to WHK 1420 AM and, you know, you just go down to my webpage. Make sure when you're there, you look into the insights uh, 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 caption because there's also even there's a golf tip uh, or two there. You know, we've been we just had the RBC Open, uh, which I, I was I loved it because we had a 47 year old win. <laughs> I always love to see the older guys uh, take it to them. But we have stuff on Brexit. We have stuff on the markets. What the Fed's doing, and it's uh, the insights is a really uh, a, an excellent piece. Uh, I highly recommend it. We are going to have Rob Schleimer taking over for Bob Dickey, and the, the, they're supposed to make the the move so, sometime in the very, very near future. Uh, you know, Bob retired, and 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 Rob's taken over. Rob was one of the top uh, chartists in the world, by the way. He he handled all of RBC, the world, uh, and we fortunately got him back, which is good. Hey, have a great weekend. This is the Smart Investor Show. My name is Tim Hayes. If you'd like to have a cup of coffee, give me a call. And in the meantime, remember to buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.